You're listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate Lisa Leitner. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to adayinourshoes.com. Now back to the show with your host, Lisa. Hey, everyone. How is it going? Um, Lisa Leitner here after a two year hiatus, I am back, which is exciting. What had happened, of course, is that two years ago in March, my kids got sent home for homeschooling or distance learning or virtual learning, whatever we're calling it. And with having everybody home and doing the one-on-one instruction with my son, it just wasn't feasible for me to do podcast recordings. My house is pretty small and I just didn't have a good quiet space, nor really the time or energy or cognitive horsepower to do it. So I took a break and stopped publishing new episodes and really never intended for it to go on for two years. Um, I guess none of us did. But anyway, even though my kids did go back to in-person learning in September of 2021, I still was just out of the rhythm as far as recording podcasts. And it took me a while to get back into the groove. A lot of exciting stuff going on with my website and my advocacy business. If you haven't been in touch, definitely check it out. I am offering an online training course now for parents and for professional advocates. It is some really great stuff. So definitely check it out. There's more information. If you go to a day in our shoes.com and you look at the top menu, um, there's a link there. So let's, you know, get right into it and start with Let's talk about COVID and the pandemic and distance learning and where we are two years later. I did many Facebook lives with some attorneys, other advocates, related service providers. We had a lot going on in those early days of the pandemic as far as IEP information. And really not much has changed in those two years. Very early on, the U.S. Department of Ed came out with some guidance and they said that there would be no waivers or exceptions, exemptions to IDEA and that IEP services and supports were to be provided as best they could with what is reasonable. And of course, when you use a word like reasonable, that can be up for interpretation. So if a state or a municipality had stricter limitations as far as what in-person contact was allowed, that of course did interfere with what supports and services some of our kids were getting. And so here we are two years later and 
I think, as far as I know, I haven't heard of any district that is not back in in in-person learning. But many parents still have some unanswered questions. One of the big ones being, you know, we had a certain segment of the IEP student population who really thrived at home. Those who may study or study struggle with a lot of distractions, a lot of people, maybe a lot of social awareness and social struggles. They did much better at home and the parents want to keep them at home. However, a school district is not required to provide a virtual learning option. Even if your child thrived, you know, during the pandemic with the distance learning. For starters, if that is what you want for your child, I would look and see if your state offers cyber charters. By and large, I don't think cyber charters do a great job of educating kids, at least in Pennsylvania. I know they do not. Their um, test scores and graduation rates are the lowest in the state. So that certainly needs to be considered. However, if your child is really struggling with some issues and their mental health benefits from being at home, that certainly has to be a consideration. So I would look to that first. A cyber charter, for the most part, I believe in most states that have them, they are considered a public school. They like to sell themselves as a private school by by saying things like no tuition and tuition free. Um, but there never really was any tuition because they're not they're not a private school. Um, they are taxpayer supported, so they are bound to IDEA and providing FAPE. If your state does not offer cyber charters, you may want to consider the homebound or instruction in the home option. This is a hurdle to overcome because it should be, right? It is the one of the most restrictive placements. Home and hospital and residential are really among the most restrictive placements. So, you know, again, it, it should be hard to put a child in the most restrictive placement. And your the amount of instruction that your child receives is going to be significantly reduced because the thinking is that if your child does not have the endurance to be in the school day, six hours a day, then the, you know, it makes sense that they, they are lacking endurance and need less instruction. I would expect, you know, some States to find this as far as what the expectation should be. Many do not, but I would expect on average one to two hours a day tops of instruction. So that is another option. And then, of course, the third option is to do true homeschooling where you withdraw your child from the public district and you instruct them in the home yourself. And as a parent, you are the person responsible for everything. You are the one who chooses a curriculum. You are the one who implements a curriculum and so on. That being said, I do know of a few parents. One of them is the admin in the Facebook group who was really struggling with her 
child and brought her home to homeschool her, taught herself how to implement the Barton reading system. And she taught her daughter how to read um, when the school would not. Certainly less than ideal, but, you know, it did work. And once she could read, a lot of the other issues that the child was having subsided as far as confidence and self-esteem and things like that. So, um, you know, it can happen, it can work, but it's not, it's unfortunately not for everyone. And if you have to work outside the home and things like that, it's just not even an option for you. And I get that. And it's not fair. If you want to keep your child home and you're finding that is what is working. I don't know that I have any other options for you outside of that. But beyond keeping your child at home for those who wish to do it, the other issue that we have post pandemic is the whole, you know, I don't know what else to call it besides, you know, my child didn't get services for a year or a year and a half hour or for however long it was. I am going to talk about staff shortages in a different podcast episode because I believe that's a topic that merits its own little kind of deep dive into that situation. So that's not what I'm talking about here as far as your child didn't receive services due to staff. Well, maybe it kind of is, but your your child didn't receive services during the pandemic. You know, maybe it was PT and that couldn't be done in person. Uh, maybe it was just reduced due to the pandemic, whatever the reason um, your child is, did not receive the services that are in their IEP. What I'm finding right now, as far as my in-person clients that I work with for advocacy, I'm finding this kind of weirdness in that schools aren't even talking about the pandemic in the missed services. It's just like they're looking at the snapshot of here's where we are at this moment in time and just kind of starting from wherever we are and not discussing the lack of services, regression, things like that. It's kind of like, well, you know, here's our most recent evals and here's what we found and just developing goals and things like that based on where the child is now. And let's face it, every child, not just IEP students, but every child lost skills and lost instruction during this pandemic period. And for some kids, it's going to take them more to catch up. If it takes them longer to learn things, if it, if they don't retain skills as well as their non-disabled peers, all of these things have to be considered. Where I would start or where I have started. So, you know, it's not where I've started. Let me just say this. When my school and my LEA reached out to me about the comp services discussion, 
I basically said to him that my son is programmed every day. He leaves the house at 8 a.m. And he doesn't get home until 3.30, 3.35. And then he has in-home services from 3.30 to 5.30. And then he's tired. He um, doesn't have great endurance. He fatigues and he gets tired. There literally are not enough hours in the day for him to even receive any comp services. So I signed away that right and was just kind of like, hey, let's just start from wherever we are. Whenever he went back to in-person learning and it was like, let's just start here and, and keep going. He works very hard in school. There's not a lot of downtime in his school. And, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than my child just did not have any more hours in the day to receive comp services. There's just nothing I can do about it. So I waved them. So that's just where I am, but that may not be your child's situation. Remediation and comp services might be warranted. One of the most important things to know is that the comp services are not based. It's not a time measurement. It's not, okay, my child got a half hour of OT every week and missed 20 weeks of OT. So you owe us, you know, X amount of hours of OT. That's not how this comp services work. It works based upon their goals, skill regression related to goals, um, skill sets, as far as not making progress toward the goals and what the team thinks that child will need to get moving again on progress toward those goals. If that makes sense. I know it's very frustrating. It's intuitive as a parent to say, hey, my child goes to school nine months a year, you know, 180 days, and they get a half hour, an hour, whatever it is, a pullout. So this is what they should be receiving. It's, again, it's not how it works. It's goal-based. And... And this is a lot more work for parents. We have to do the digging into our child's progress, into our progress monitoring reports, their goals, and so on, and keep on top of this. I would ask to meet with the team once you've kind of begun to determine what you're going to ask for and you know, work from there. But again, I'm finding a lot of IEP teams just really glossing over this and not addressing it and just kind of acting like it never happened. And okay, this is our annual IEP meeting. Let's go. Here's present levels. Here's where we're at and moving forward. So if you want to have that comp services discussion and you haven't yet, make sure you reach out to your team. And then of course, the other thing to keep in mind is that yes, there are only so many hours in a day. And if your child is going to receive more pullout services, more related services, whatever the case may be, due to the pandemic and due to receiving compensatory services, you know, something's got to give. You can have some input on, on your child's schedule, but... You know, I just hear from parents a lot that are like, oh, well, I don't want him to miss gym because he really likes gym or I don't want him to miss recess because that's his only downtime. 
Um, and at a certain point, you know, the team has to prioritize what the child needs most because if they pull them out from Lang Arts and Math and your child needs Lang Arts and Math instruction, you're just going to have some dis tough decisions to make. As I stated, you know, my, my child, this isn't even getting them. And there's nothing I would like more than for him to be able to pick up the pace a little bit as far as what he lost during the pandemic. But he physically and mentally, I know he can't handle any more instruction and practice than what he's already receiving. So sometimes it's just, just not feasible. So anyway, you're going to have those discussions with your team, reach out to them in writing as always. And, you know, follow up, ask for everything on the PWN and read and use your procedural safeguards. Okay, so I'm going to wrap that up as far as the pandemic learning and comp services. I am going to do another podcast on staff shortages, which is related to the pandemic. If you want more information on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash a day in our shoes IEP. If you then click on videos, you will see the video chat that I did with the attorney, Laura from Connecticut. We talked about this a few months ago on Facebook live. If you want to see the full interview, um, other than that, you know, again, go to a day in our shoes.com. If you're interested in the advocacy training, Or if you need more information, use the search bar. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate Lisa Leitner. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to adayinourshoes.com. From self-care tips to common IEP mistakes, there's even more to explore. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and subscribe to never miss an episode. Until next time, don't IEP alone, and you don't have to.